Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to In Focus podcast. I am Jee Sampat, the Hindu's social affairs editor and your host for today's episode. If you have been following the news reports about the spread of the coronavirus, you would have heard that the Tablighi Jamaat, an Islamic missionary group, has been a major nodal point in the spread of the pandemic in India. But here's the thing, India is not in a unique position here. It is by no means unusual or out of the ordinary for a state to have to deal with the problem of a religious group and its members appending government advisories about social distancing. Many countries around the world have grappled with exactly the same problem and with rather different social outcomes than in India. Now, the most spectacular case of a religious group derailing social distancing norms is South Korea. In India, we have seen that the culpability of Tablighi Jamaat has resulted in a heightening of communal polarization and there has been some vilification of one community, especially on social media. Did Korea too witness such a phenomenon? when members of the Sinchonji Church of Jesus, a fundamentalist group, organized and participated in a mass indoor gathering. The super spreader in Korea was, in fact, a member of this cult. And how do we think about and analyze such a phenomenon? In fact, there are some specific challenges to the task of understanding a cluster-led rise of infection rates. And to talk about these, we have with us today Rishikesh Ramachandran, a former journalist who now lives and works in Seoul, South Korea, and has seen the Korean government's handling of the outbreak from up close. Rishi has also been travelling through Southeast Asia right until the last week of March. So he's in a good position to share his observations on the range of responses from different states, especially states that are in China's zone of influence, as it were. Rishi, welcome to the show. To start off with... uh... Can you tell us something about uh, this whole uh, Sinchonji Church of Jesus uh, experience in Korea? Because there seem to be some parallels between uh, what unfolded in Korea and what is unfolding right now in India uh, with regard to the Tablighi Jamaat and how uh, one particular religious group uh, seems to be sort of uh, putting a spanner in the work, so to speak, uh, with regard to uh, enforcing and carrying out social distancing norms. Sure. Um, Sinchonji is basically a uh, a fringe sect Um, and there are many fringe sects operating in Korea uh, under the broader Christian Protestant banner. Um, They've been uh, active since the mid 80s and they command, uh, officially they say they command a a followership of something in the order of 245,000 members worldwide out of which 200,000 plus are in Korea. Now, uh, what happened was uh, Korea had an early uh, start and an early exposure to uh, managing and containing COVID-19, you know, right from the time the first cases started appearing um, in China in late December. And then things were under control um, for the following six to seven weeks, right up until February 20th, um, at which point Korea had about 150, just under 150 cases. Uh, and then they got suddenly blindsided by um, by the Shincheonji cluster, where there was uh, one particular lady um, uh, codenamed Patient 31, 
who essentially was was branded a super spreader because she had the infection uh, going on for a couple of weeks and then she went out and um, uh, hung out with people and attended the Shinjanji congregations and uh, attended weddings and uh, and so on and so forth and obviously it spread among a larger larger crowd uh, whom she interacted with so so essentially that that's that's what happened and from there on it just exploded so between february 20th and february 29 it went from um, something in the hundreds all the way up to 3000 cases um, and that was a sudden explosion and obviously took um, both the central government in korea as well as the uh, the the provincial government uh, based in the city of Daegu, which is where the Shinshanji cluster was uh, was discovered, um, they were all they were all completely blindsided, and and obviously, you know, the the state machinery had to act very quickly to contain it. So, uh, what kind of uh, changes in strategy uh, did the state machinery have to adopt in order to uh, uh, address this new challenge? Uh, which, of course, had blindsided them, as you put it. Well, first off, um, it was it was identifying, as we've seen with COVID-19 outbreaks in different parts of the world, it was to identify who all did she come in contact with and, and what we call contact tracing. Um, so they started with that, and then subsequently, once you identify all the contacts or, or alongside that, you you test as many of those people as possible, um, and and you see you see how you how far you can take it, and you maximize that whole effort. So that's what they did. Um, but the interesting part, I think, is they did that without um, locking down the entire city. Um, they did they did advise shops and other establishments to be shut down for a number of days or a couple of weeks, um, but trains were still uh, Operational uh, public transport on a on an as needed basis uh, to different parts of parts of the town and parts of the region. So these were these were all uh, still operating, but obviously they 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 made it a point to carry out a very large public information exercise wherein um, the public were 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 informed of it. They were transparent about it. Um, in fact, uh, starting then they. They implemented a system whereby they would they would update the number of cases being tested as well as the number of positives uh, of uh, cases testing positive and and all the related data that that was put up on a on a government portal um, and the public was kept regularly informed. So so people knew what was going on. Um, there were um, there were measures to make sure that. Uh, the information is clear and transparent, while at the same time not inducing panic and locking down the entire uh, entire country. Um, so it was it was it was done in increments, but uh, but I think the the dissemination of information was uh, was uh, quite an impressive feat. Speaking of transparency and dissemination of uh, information, when I have in front of me right now uh, the updated uh, uh, data about the spread of the disease in Korea. As of uh, as of this moment, okay, and uh, on April fifth, and and it says that there are ten thousand two hundred and thirty seven confirmed cases, of which uh, six thousand four hundred and sixty three have already recovered and been discharged. Three thousand five ninety one are in isolation. One eighty three diseased. Total tests done. Uh, 
461,233 and tests which are whose results are out 441,662 and positivity rate in terms of number of cases which are positive from the number of cases which have been tested is 2.3%. I mean this is fantastic in terms of uh, transparency and up to date dissemination of information. Uh, I mean do you do you wasn't there any kind of concern that uh, such uh, liberal uh, sharing of information might lead to some kind of panic that people might start uh, you know uh, indulging in irrational behavior because they can see that so many uh, cases are uh, are out there and so on because there seems to be such concerns in india at least no that was that was what I was alluding to in my in my earlier response um, so the so this level of transparency has been there right from the get go so it's not that they uh, they started with sharing information piecemeal and then they scaled it up to up to a very detailed level no this has been the norm from the beginning and i suspect uh part of this comes from korea's earlier experience with uh, sars uh way back uh, in the early 90s and then and then they were they had to, to deal with the whole issue with mers earlier in the decade so they they've been through these these drills before and and so there is there is a reason why they decided to keep it all open and transparent because during the mass episode i do remember that uh, in the beginning they were quite like a dicycle about it and and, and uh, subsequently they had to come out and share a lot of things and 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 they learned a few lessons there so i think i think there's history to this and and that's why they've done it they've done it this way but at the same time to your specific point about whether um that induced panic at that point well i was here at that time before before i began my southeast asia travels and no it did not induce panic if anything what it did was um people started getting more responsible they said okay fine so this happened in the southern city of tegu this hasn't sp- spread widely to the rest of the country although potentially it could so how can we how can we handle this and, I, and i'm talking public consciousness here um and one of the things and and i've seen this with korea i've seen this with hong kong i've seen this with with taiwan and a number of asian countries everybody wanted to uh, follow whatever the official scientific guidelines were so you wear masks you take care of personal hygiene you wash hands so all of these thing and 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 let's not forget social distancing um So right from that time onwards the government actually uh, started talking about social distancing so we're talking here uh, mid february right? right so that's all almost 2 months ago so they started talking about it and people took it seriously um just to just to give you a practical example of how that works in day to day life here um Koreans in general they are they are quite socially active in terms of uh, after work engagements uh, a lot of the a lot of the problem solving at work and so on and so forth happens over dinner or dinner and drinks um after work and so it's it's quite a socially active society in that sense and that happens in large groups so you go out as a team or you go out as as uh, a big group of colleagues from work now one thing that was noticeable was that came down significantly so people started hanging out in groups of let's say 3 or 4 no more uh whereas earlier they would hang out 5 6 8 10 people together and all this happened without an official uh, uh, enforcement of a lockdown correct there was there was no official enforcement of a lockdown all establishments were still open uh, restaurants cafes uh, 
supermarkets, pubs, you name it, everything was still open, and they still are. Um, and and people, out of their own consciousness and, and civic duty, I suppose, they started adhering to these guidelines. Obviously, there are there are still people who will flout these things, but by and large, uh, people were cognizant of the fact that they had an issue, they had a problem on their hands, and and everybody has to chip in. Wasn't there any uh, wasn't there any vilification of uh, members of the religious cult uh, as holding them uh, primarily responsible for spreading the disease? And was there any uh, was there much hatred uh, directed against them on any platform or anything like that? Yes, yes, there was. Um, there were there were a couple of couple of specific uh, instances where not instances. I would say I'd say. Uh, uh, there was a period between, let's say, the 20th of February up until up until mid-March, uh, mm-hmm. when they were still testing a lot of these uh, followers of Shinchenji, and and more and more more of them were testing positive because at one stage it was you know 70% plus of those who were testing positive were uh, were belonging to this cult. So obviously there was there was a large public outcry. Um, some of it was also directed towards the government because uh, apparently some of the members who were infected or, or Shinchenji had um, uh, uh, an offshoot in Wuhan in China where the where the whole thing started, and they had about ten members there, and and so obviously people connected the two and they said, well, we should we should ban everybody from China. So the government took a bit a bit of flack for that because the government has kept it to this day. Korea has kept its borders open, except for people from Wuhan and Hubei province. So, um, so that the 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 vilification and the and the and the public outcry were happening on both fronts. On the one side, against the government for not closing the borders um, to countries that were designated hotspots, and on the other hand, towards Xinjiangji because they were primarily responsible, at least at that point. For the for the huge spike in uh, cases that Korea witnessed. Okay, in, in terms of understanding uh, the numbers, so when we say thirty uh, percent of uh, of India's cases as of today are linked to Tablighi Jamaat, the Tablighi numbers and the statistics and percentages are going to look very very different a few weeks from now, when other clusters come to light. Oh, absolutely. Um, as as we saw with Korea as well, like I said, you know, at, at one point when when Shinchanji was all that that was there in the headlines here um, because it, it makes for a great story for a for a story deprived media so um, when that was the case obviously uh, all the numbers and all the percentages were, were heavily skewed um, towards Shinchanji being the epicenter of everything um, COVID related here but as as time goes by and if you look at the numbers today in Korea just over half um, are, and and mind you, um, it did not spread in Korea beyond Daegu to much of the other parts of the country, including Seoul. Uh, the numbers are still in their hundreds. Um, for a city city with a population of 25 million, that's that's negligible actually. So, so the numbers, I mean, percentage wise, it's it's much much lower today. You know, if you, if you take the Shinchanji influence or, or circle of influence, if you want to call it that. Uh, Rishi, you are uh, you are one of a very, uh, I would assume, a small minority of civilians who have been traveling uh, by air that to ride through this Corona scare. You were you were on air as late as last week uh, when you've been traveling through uh, Southeast Asia. 
So are there any any interesting observations that uh, struck you in terms of what you've been seeing in terms of how different countries in this area, which are like in China's zone of influence, so to speak, how they have responded uh, to the challenge of uh, this pandemic? I think uh, two things that were pretty obvious uh, wherever I went, um, you know, whether it's Thailand or Indonesia or Malaysia or uh, or even in Korea for that matter. Um, the, the presence of hand sanitizers and more importantly, the presence of masks. These Asian countries have been have been almost religious about the use of masks in all of those countries, and especially on the flight back to Korea, um, the flight was full um, and everybody, every single person on the flight was wearing a mask. And and so I think I think that was something that was very, very visible. Um, and it's it's pretty galling when you think of all the Western countries and, and where the casualties have been so high because they they kept insisting or the, or the leaders at least kept insisting that uh, you don't need to wear masks. Uh, who knows? They could have mitigated the whole thing uh, a fair bit. Uh, Rishi, you just mentioned that, uh, of course, there's widespread recognition that the virus spreads through breath. Now, uh, in India, we are now uh, thinking about a staggered exit from the lockdown, which is supposed to end on April 14th. And uh, given India's uh, density of population, especially if you're lifting a lockdown and people start moving around, they will be using public transport, they will be using buses, trains, and so on, metros. So if it's going to spread by breath, I mean, how does India address this challenge of uh, masses of people traveling in high densities and still ensuring that they don't uh, spread the virus. Well, I think that is going to be that is going to be a huge challenge. Again, uh, going by what they've done in Korea, in Korea, for instance, that that designated the period until today, in fact, uh, April fifth, where people have to consciously practice social distancing. And consciously practice social distancing here means. You, if you go to a restaurant, you sit two meters away from the nearest table, um, or if you if you stand in a queue, you leave a distance of two meters. Um, but they've just announced that they've extended it by another two weeks. They said, no, we're not ready yet. We're not we're not ready to ease restrictions yet because, on average, Korea is still registering about 100 new cases a day, which is um, which worldwide they. They've called it flattening the curve, but uh, as far as the Korean authority, health authorities are concerned, their yardstick for that is they said that the the, the day the the numbers consistently slip below or the new infections slip below 50, that's when they would consider the curve flattened. As of now, yes, it's been brought under control, but 100 is still still a high number. Right, uh, Rishi, uh, the last question for the show. So we know India and Korea are very different countries. Uh, I mean, the challenges are very different administratively. Each one is a very different uh, ball game compared to the other. Not least, of course, the size of the population. So uh, if if you think there are maybe like two lessons that India can learn from Korea and and quite easily implement here, you know, lessons which is which are not question which is not a question of resource but simply a question of political will. What would those two uh, lessons be? I think I think in, instead of two, that the possibly three. Uh, one is what we what we discussed at the beginning of this uh, uh, of this uh, discussion, where we touched upon um, sharing of information and clear and transparent sharing of information, and that's down to the Ministry of Health or whoever the the uh, concerned 
body would be and and uh, connected to that is also having having one person or one clear spokesperson would be delivering that information or having having a, a platform where that information is shared which which everybody can access someone like anthony forshi like uh... correct correct so so someone like someone like forshi who who's the head of cdc so someone like that who who would be the authority on sharing that information who's credible who's 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 an expert in the field and whose word counts so i think i think that's number one uh number two is utilizing our federal structure uh which i think uh, korea did very well and i'm sure um, the us is you know after their initial stumbles on this uh, they're beginning to catch on to that what what uh, andrew como has done in new york uh, he's leading the fight there because he's the governor of new york and he's using the state's resources to to take this on um and similarly so the so it has to be left to the state governments in india working in concert with the ministry of health to make sure that you you do things that are relevant and practical for your particular state so that's that's the second one and the third third one is you know the government can as a as a matter of uh, public duty continue to spread messages of educating the public on on the essentials you know whether it's wearing masks or whether it's washing hands or whether it's ensuring that that your neighborhood remains clean and so on and so forth uh things that would help prevent the spread so you you bring these three things in then then you know you've you've at least got measures that can that can help contain and prevent it right yeah these are i think really uh three uh, valuable uh strategies that that really uh, are quite easily uh, enforceable or adoptable in india provided of course there is uh, the political will to do so when so maybe a little more decentralization one guy in charge of uh, running the entire uh, uh, response so to speak and who is also the nodal point for sharing information i think these two are really uh, things that india can and should consider doing uh, rishi thank you so much for joining us thank you and hope we hope to talk to you soon Thank you thanks for having me